podcasting from New Jersey along the Delaware River. This is Strictly Sports Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephen Strickland. Today, our guest is Josh Muir from the Call Podcast down in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, we're going to be analyzing the Baltimore Ravens 2020 draft class. The draft, which was scheduled to take place in Las Vegas over the last couple of days, was successfully completed virtually because of the coronavirus pandemic that's going on in the United States. I think it went off great. Um, there were great live feeds with the coaches, the GMs, player personnel. We had yachts. We had big Arizona houses. It went off really, really well. I thought it was great. Josh, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts on the draft virtually taking place? Steve, man, thanks for having me. Um, and once again, uh, post-draft, I actually thought it went, went very, very well. I was actually really excited uh, to see how smooth the presentation went. Um, you know, looking back at it, right, like you said, with the houses and the families and the inside look, right? You know, we want things to go back to normal, but there was a question posed at the end of it that this could set the precedent for future drafts or future events because it was so well done and so well received. We didn't anticipate, well, we anticipated those glitches, right, Steve? But we didn't see that. I mean, there, there was, I pretty much thought it was a flawless draft from, the presentation of ESPN to the to the interviews to the video everything was fantastic. Well, I thought what was really great is how ESPN and the NFL Network collectively as a team came together, and they had a couple from the network, a couple from ESPN, and obviously Trey Wingo is state of the art. He's second to none with the NFL draft coverage. Um, it, it was a bummer that Todd McShay couldn't be there because he does have the coronavirus. He's recovering from that, so that was. That was um, that was a hitch. But other than that, I mean, I, I like I, I agree with you. I thought it was great. You know, it was nice seeing Jerry Jones on his yacht. I, you know, Kingsbury down there in Arizona. That I mean, crib, man. He, he he was chilling, bro. He was chilling. <laughs> you know, so um, I think it went off great. Now I do believe that they may incorporate that in up- upcoming drafts. Um, obviously, they did announce that. Uh, the draft will be back in Vegas, I think, in 2022. So that's cool. I like to see that go off because Vegas is a great place to have it. But it was it was nice seeing how the coaches were. I mean, they were interacting with their families. They were home. I, it was a great thing all around. Um, you know, NFL, they're top notch. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. It was nice. You know, and we'll, we'll see what goes on for next year and how that works out. But I think what they need to do, though, is take, like, maybe the smaller school athletes and, and put the cameras in their houses, right? Because, you know, you're going to get the 20, 30, 40 guys invited every year. They're going to be where the draft is held, if it's held in Vegas or New York or wherever it's held. How about the, you put the smaller schools, put the, put the cameras there, so they, those guys, you know, they're exposed to the fans. What do you think about that? That's a great idea. I haven't heard that's the first I've heard of that suggestion, but it does, like you said, give them exposure uh, to the kind of thing that those first round guys get, right? Like walking across the stage, it's a big deal. I don't care what round you're drafted in, what school you came from. Being even a part of the NFL draft or being the possibility of being selected to a team is huge. You know, rounds one through seven, big school, little school. Division one, division two, division whatever, wherever he came from, you know we've seen we've seen some players come out that were really really good and some fall Hall of Famers that 
came from lesser known schools. You know, obviously, one 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 called the uh, late Steve McNair, right? Alcorn State, where's that at? So it's it's just funny to see you know some of these grades come from the lesser schools. So yeah, camera exposure, especially in the later rounds and in the lesser schools, I think it's a great suggestion, man. Well, yeah, and like I said, we'll we'll see what they do. Obviously, you know, it's not up to us as as a fan. That's what I would like to see. Let's dump jump right in to the picks for the Baltimore Ravens. I know you're probably ecstatic. I read the reports talking, you know, with fellow football fans and stuff. Number one, uh, round one, number 28 overall, Patrick Queen, inside linebacker at LSU. I mean, I, I think I think they filled their biggest need with him. They did, and I couldn't be more pleased with this and the way the draft fell to get Queen. Obviously, touted, you know, when we talked, and especially on my, my our show, the call, you know, it was point out there, you know, Murray or Queen. I, I felt like either one of them were going to be absolute studs for the Ravens. And the way the draft went, absolutely ecstatic. Get Patrick Queen to twenty eight. He fits the bill to be a Raven. Um, you know, watching him play at LSU, obviously on the on the cusp of uh, just winning the national championship with his uh, teammate Joe Burrow, who went obviously unanimously first overall to the Bengals. They're going to be in the same division, so not only am I excited about Patrick Queen being on the Ravens, but he gets to go against his uh, former teammate Joe Burrow twice a year uh, playing the Bengals. So this is going to be probably a matchup to see in the AFC North for years to come. And uh, I couldn't be more excited for the scheme. Uh, the Ravens, this is uncharted territory as far as LSU, Steve. They never drafted a player from LSU. You believe that, that or that, not? That is history. Crazy. That is history. They made history. They did. They did. And uh, not only that, but it, speaking of history, this is the third linebacker chosen in the first round. Obviously, the first one was the great Hall of Fame legend Ray Lewis, uh, selected in 96 in the first round. And most recently, Mosley, uh, signed to Jess with C.J. Mosley. Yep. Right. So, um, and, and he's a pro bowler in his own right, solid player, got a big make a contract left for free agency. So the Ravens know their linebackers, and especially in the first round, he follows a, a good bloodline there. And uh, the scheme with Wink Martindale, I couldn't be more pleased with this first selection with the Ravens. Uh, Patrick Queen, he's going to be a, a great addition to this defense. You know, and, if, and he helps out. Yeah, and, and, and that's, you know, I was just going to say, he's a safety-sized, multi-talented defender. You know, he can go sideline to sideline. He can stop the run. He can drop in coverage. He can blank in the tight end. He can blitz from anywhere on the field. So that is a solid pick for the Ravens, you know, because they never filled the void from losing Mosley a year ago, like, like we just stated. You know, they rotated Josh Bynes and LJ Ford last season. But that they, – they weren't an every-down linebacker, someone that can lead the defense. And I think that's what Patrick Queen is going to do here. I think so too. Absolutely, man. I then, uh, you know, you know, reaching back, you know, for the sake of not staying in order here, just speaking about the linebackers, they uh, reached into the third round. They got into the third round and drafted another solid linebacker, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, man. So, and right off the bat, there was a lot of fans online were saying, did you just let the Ravens draft Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison on the same team? Like, this is going to be a great one two punch for the linebackers as far as youth movement as far as uh, getting the schemes under control. Because what, what was the problem last year, as you know, uh, the Ravens' run defense, you know, stopping Derrick Henry. And I feel like now uh, you pissed off the front office so much so that they're going to draft some they, – they got, like we covered, they got Derrick Wolf, Calais Campbell, and free agency. They, they got some defensive tackles in this draft. Now they got the linebackers. Now they're like, 
our secondary is already shored up. Now they're like, go ahead and run on us. So, and, and then, and then getting to the quarterback was a big issue last year for the Ravens who were in the back half of the league in sacks. I uh, just couldn't get that pressure, man. And uh, it definitely showed its ugly head, uh, not getting pressure on Tannehill in the playoff game. So they're definitely addressing the biggest weaknesses right now on this team. And that's obviously through dread to free agency. And, and as the Ravens continue to do, they drew rave reviews, um, uh, throughout the draft that it just everybody was just ecstatic. And, you know, it, it just, it leaves you just, it just really, you're really grateful as a fan who covers them or you go to the games. It's just, I, I literally told somebody, I said, we're spoiled little brats here in Baltimore. Cause we got a, uh, front office that just spoils us to death, man. So, uh, Dude, the linebacking core is pretty much set for this draft. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. You know, in the front office, the Baltimore Ravens always draft well. I mean, they've always drafted well. And that that leads me to round two with number 55 overall, J.K. Dobbins, running back out of Ohio State. I mean, listen, Ohio State, you know, in the top five conference, one of the top five conferences in college football. But this shows that the Ravens are committed to the running game. They used a second-round pick on a running back. And last year, they just set the NFL single-season rushing record with 3,296 yards, okay? So, again, this is, um, you know, going back, the last time they drafted a running back in the second round was Ray Rice out of New Jersey, okay, in 2008. So, I mean, J.K. Dobbins, solid player. I think he's going to be all right. What's your take on him? Oh, it's the rich get richer, man. Like you alluded to, you know, the the Ravens set a single season rushing record as a franchise, and, and not only that, but you have you know you don't even want to get away from talking about the running game. But not only that, but you coupled it with uh, an NFL MVP quarterback who had the league leading in passing touchdowns on this same offense. So this is a dangerous offense. It just became more dangerous with Dobbins now. For all those that are not familiar with uh, this kid, uh, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, he's touted from Ohio State, so almost like you almost have to know who they are because of just the sheer fact that Ohio State's just always around the media and buzzing around. But Dobbins amassed 2,000 rushing yards uh, last year, uh, 2003 to be exact. Now, the, the kid's dynamic, and over three years of his career at uh, Ohio State, he massed over 4,400 rushing yards. The kid just adds that dynamic speed and explosiveness to an already great rushing attack. And a lot of fans are already scurrying to ask those questions. Well, what's going to happen now? Because the Ravens pretty much hold four running backs. They hold Justice Hill, now J.K. Dobbins, uh, Gus Edwards, and Mark Ingram. And then obviously, you know, Lamar can run it too. So they got five horses that can run this thing. So um, obviously, there could be a man out. It's way too early to speculate roster moves and draft uh, roster cuts and all that. But after this draft, Dobbins is just going to be one of those one of those additions that just leaves you really satisfied in the running game. And as an added measure, there was an aftermath after the draft or after the pick was selected that the Dolphins wanted him and the Ravens pretty much just said, nope, we, we got him at 55. And uh, right after that pick, uh, and I want to you know, certainly allude to, the Ravens usually, going back to the first round, Steve, if you will, the Ravens usually are notorious for you know, obviously making trades, acquiring more picks. That's what they love to do. Um, we anticipated that. I know Queen was their guy, but if something were to happen in the draft and their guys – get taken they always move back 
that was the case a little later with Mims. I felt like Denzel Mims was the receiver and they moved back. But this is speaking of going back to the point of the Ravens always drafting well and being very, very crafty. When they entered this draft, they had they had two second round picks, two third round picks. So when they traded with the Patriots, because they not only had pick fifty five with Dobbins, but they had pick number sixty. So you know what the Ravens did? Instead of picking at sixty five picks later, they fall back to seventy one. They let the Patriots take that spot. And you know what they do? Oh, they just acquire two more picks in the third round. So not the Ravens it just it it just leaves you just tickled to death by what they do. So they entered the draft. I have the lineup here. So they entered the draft with two second rounds, two third rounds, and two fourth rounds. So after all said and done, they fall eleven spots back and they gain and they trade a fourth round pick in there. So they turn a fourth round into a third round. They fall back on their second second round pick. If you can follow that, I know it's a lot of craziness, but they essentially gained four picks in a third round. They still ended up with nine altogether, but it just it just shows you the sheer movement of the board. Eric DaCosta was groomed from this from Ozzy from the start, and they just know how to maneuver a board, and they just do it masterfully, man. I just I just can't say it enough. Well, that it's, it's just awesome. You know that leads me into round three with number seventy one, like you just said. Yep. Justin Mutabuke, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. Who was Mel Kuyper's third best defensive tackle in this draft? Okay, so this could possibly be the, a steal of the draft for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, he's, I think so too. He, I yep. mean, he's definitely going to be a player to watch. You know, and he was he was only ranked behind Derek Brown and Javal Kinlaw. Okay, who went in the first fourteen picks? Right. Exactly. The thing is, he's just not a real polished player but he's played against NFL talent in the SEC, okay? So, you know, we'll see where he goes with that. Um, but, you know, he's a – if you watched his interview, he said, I love putting my hand on someone's throat and just pushing them all, all the way backwards. You know, that to me, that sounds like a Baltimore Ravens defensive player. What's your take you, on him? You must have looked at my notes because I had the same thing written down. I had that same quote. And then it said, "Play like a raven, built built for a raven." So yeah, exactly. It, it, it whether he's one of those household names or not doesn't matter, right? Like you just said, he was the third rated uh, defensive tackle on the board according to Mel Kuyper. The first two went in the first fifteen, what fourteen, fifteen picks. So in the top half of the first round, I feel like right there you can already dub him first round talent fell to the third round. I feel like this could be a diamond in the rough for the Ravens right here to shore up their defense even more. And um, after watching his reaction to when Eric DaCosta called him, being emotional with his family there, couldn't be more excited for him to be a Raven and, and is make his dreams come true. He's going to have a career in the NFL, man. This was a the under-the-radar one. You know, I, a lot of people are like, who? You know, I've heard his name mentioned before, and I was like, now nah, you might want to look him up. He's going to be a solid addition. Yeah, moving on, you know, staying in round three, number 92 overall, Devin DeVernay, wide receiver out of Texas, right? They get a new target for Lamar Jackson, right? T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Lynn Bowden, you know, they, they went. But the thing with DeVernay is he's one of the best slot receivers, right? And he was also one of the fastest at the combine with a 4.3940, Okay. He is going to assist Lamar Jackson, right? Because he Jackson extends plays with his feet. Well, you got a slot guy, okay, who can run that fast. 
you know, and, and this is not, not to bring them up because they're kind of sliding down, but the Patriots, they get these guys in the slot and they're fast, right? And, and now they can make these cuts. And, you know, obviously Brady is no Lamar Jackson, but, you know, taking the short passes and turning them into big plays with the number 92 overall pick, I think is going to be great for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, but he's, he's, he's more like a running back, too. So can you pull him out of reverse? You know, what, what's he throw? Like maybe he could do a, a wide receiver reverse slash run pass. You know, you don't know. But the thing is, he adds speed to the Baltimore wide receiver group. Your takes on him? That, that's the thing I love, too, speed. You know, Eric DeCosta wants to build an indefensible <laughs> offense. And the, the thing last year coming out of the direct, obviously, going into Lamar's first full season, as we know, it turned out to be great. With drafting Hollywood, with drafting Miles Boykin, with drafting Justice Hill last year, the Ravens wanted to preach speed. You know, they didn't want to do ground and pound no more. It was, you know, they want to play chess where everybody's playing checkers. Instead of building some big defenses to stop them, they're going to go, we're just going to run past you. And this pick, Devin Duvernay, man, you know, coming out of Texas, when you talk about a consistent player, what, what, when, when you hear the word consistency, what, what, the Hall of Famers that came through here, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, and more to come. You know, they preach consistency. Small things done well lead to great things. And what Devin Duvernay does so well is he doesn't hardly drop a pass at all. And here's a quote, um, you know, going from uh, that play like Raven mentality, right? Runs like he hates humanity as he blasts through tacklers. You know, that that's something right there, like you alluded to. You know, he's versatile. And what the Ravens do lack is that kick returner, punt returner. I felt like, and I said it on the show's past, the Ravens have had a viable returner in that special teams game since two, probably Jermaine Lewis early on in the Ravens franchise. And then uh, as of late, uh, Jacoby Jones. Other than that, I couldn't tell you if there's any been any dynamic punt and kick returner on the Ravens. So um, this would fit the bill. Um, and not that you want to run receivers out there, but uh, hey, their skill sets warrant it. Um, he 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 was highest rated with the lowest percentage of uh, drops since 2018 as a receiver in college. The dude's a monster. He goes up and gets the ball. He attacks. He runs r- routes well. From what I saw on the tape, uh, I think this is going to be a real real good addition to the receiving core for Lamar Jackson and also complement some of the receivers that didn't get the job done last year. Obviously, Seth Roberts is gone off the team uh, right now. You're looking at the starting receivers as far as Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, and Hollywood Brown. So, uh, you know, I feel like any, any, help, any help to that group is going to just make this team that much sharper and better. And I think Devin, man, I, I'm just tickled to death uh, with the reaction to the pick and the pick itself. It's just fantastic. Moving right along, staying in round three again, obviously, as you stated earlier, number 98 overall, Malik Harrison, outside linebacker, Ohio State, right? Just like in free agency, they can the Ravens address the defensive front, right? And we all know that the game is won in the trenches. We know that. And the Ravens right. and the Ravens play a nasty style of defense, however you want to classify it. Okay. When I say nasty, I mean mean, rugged. They hit you as you stated earlier, right? So Malik Harrison now is going to bring that dynamic, violent presence, you know, who he, and you can line him up all over the field. Maybe you put him as a D end, maybe you blitz him from the inside outside. Right. Cause that's what he is. But 
the thing is, is he had the, the highest pressure percentage and he only trailed one person. And that was the number two overall pick, Chase Young. So, you know, he makes on the same team. Exactly. He makes tackles yep. behind the line of scrimmage, which is always great, you know. But, you know, his coverage his coverage is considered average, maybe, but you bring him in, you coach him up right, he learns the Raven style of defense. And to me, you have a you have a solid uh, you know sub guy. Your your thoughts on Harrison? No, I think Harrison again. Um, like you said, it might not be good in coverage, but again, knowing that the Ravens have a good stable of linebackers, don't need to do it all. You don't need to just throw him out there and say, "Hey, go cover the big receivers and tight ends. Go out here." If he's weak in that area, like you said, coach him up. I felt like watching him, he was weak in there a little bit um, in his days uh, leading up to obviously being drafted. Um, but I feel like, again, you know, you can just never um, be too careful with the linebacking core. And I feel like right now they're just letting loose. Uh, and, and he's going to be in the backfield a lot. Uh, he had, I think, what, 16? Let me see a look at my notes here. I had him written down. I had his uh, tackles. I'll written down here for bear with me. I think he had like a certain many percentage of tackles for a loss. So pretty much he gets in the backfield is my point is, and that's where you want to be disruptive, you know, stopping the run, getting back there, stopping uh, the pass, getting pressure to the quarterback. And I think Malik, you know, I'll let, let a Patrick queen as a rookie develop the passing skills because Patrick queen's that talent, right? He's first round talent. He can do it all. That's why the Ravens went up and got him at 28. So now I feel like, okay, you know, you got Malik on the back end. Let him do some of the, you know, the Mike Blitzing. Let him do some of that and let uh, Patrick Queen and others go out and pass coverage and, and let the defensive tackles rush. So I think Malik Harrison, uh, from what i definitely seen at Ohio State, uh, dude, he's going to bring that Buckeye talent right here to Trump City and Baltimore, man. And, uh, hey, playing with Chase, Chase Young, man, it just, it, it just shows you uh, the defensive pedigree coming out of Ohio State with these players. And, 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 and again, you know, reuniting uh, Harrison with Dobbins, uh, again, it's just going to be fantastic to see. And also that chemistry could carry even on the opposite sides of the ball. It could. The Ravens, last year, you saw them come together as a brotherhood, as a family. And I feel like when you have that close network of players, even in the draft, whether they came from the same conference or they were rivals on teams or even teammates, it definitely bodes well in the NFL and the Ravens just know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Moving right along to number 106, staying in the third round, Tyree Phillips, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. You're getting SEC talent, okay, which that is a, you know, as well as most football fanatics know. That's the farm system for the NFL, the SEC. That's where, I mean, you break it down however you want. But they took Tyree Phillips, offensive tackle, and I believe that he, that he has a chance. I think he does, but he has to come in. He has to understand it. And I think he's probably going to be a better guard than he would a tackle. Uh, but don't forget, you know, Marshawn Yonda retired. So when you take Phillips with the last pick of the third round, you know, you, you have to have a vision for him because third round, there's good talent there. So, you know, you draft a guy, you're like, okay, we think he can play guard, maybe some center. He's a tackle, so he's a pretty big guy. But I, I think he's going to fit in at guard. And I, I think, you know, again, he'll be a good sub guy, you know, depending on if they run the, the hurry-up offense or, you know, depending on what, whatever the Ravens want to do, Harbaugh and his staff have a plan. And I, I think this guy will be a guard. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I definitely going to side on the fact that I think he's definitely going to be a guard, even though he um, has the experience. Uh, the, the Ravens, dude, first off, he's massive, 6'5". He, he's, he's a beast up front. But I feel like the versatility of him doing that, I mean, he has the experience as a guard. Uh, but I feel like the Ravens could definitely move him to tackle if the need fits. Obviously, with the the exit of Yonda to retirement and with shuffling around the line, it remains to be seen what that final piece is going to look like. But I feel like he's definitely going to help. If I had to pick, Steve, long-term plans, I feel like the Ravens are going to use him more at tackle than guard. Um, again, don't know the Ravens' plans this early in, in the attack on the offense. But, uh, again, with his versatility, with his mammoth size, this is where, uh, one pick I was really happy to see. Every time I was texting my friend, again, not to discount the other pick. The other picks are great. I'm not saying, well, they should have drafted O-line in you know, four picks ago or something like that. But I've always said, okay, maybe here comes O-line, and then they would draft a no linebacker. Okay, here comes O-line, and they drafted it. And I'm like, okay. You know, when's the O-line going to happen? Because we definitely need to replace Yonda. And then it finally happened. Um, what I know about Phillips, he's going to be a solid addition with his size. Uh, he'll fit right in. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. You know, and we'll, and we'll see. Does, does he play some tackle? Yep. Does he play guard? Does he, is he like a swing position type guy? But, you know, in back-to-back picks, they took two offensive linemen, which leads us to round four, pick 143, Ben Bredesen, the guard out of Michigan, Right. So, you know, they take an interior offensive lineman again, right? And, you know, obviously they believe that they need to build their offensive line. That's just the way it is, right? So you you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Let's protect him, right? Because he's your franchise. He's the face of your franchise. So why not protect him? Um, You know, I I think he's going to be a solid player here. Again, I don't know if he'll – end up be, being the starter, um, but he's a tough kid. He's leadership, okay, in Michigan was second to none. And, you know, who knows? He, he's even open to playing center. Uh, you know, he said in one of the reports, I'm open to playing center. So, so now you're bringing in a guard, and, again, he can be more of a swing guy, guard center, but he's open to it. So he's open to whatever the Ravens need. Your thoughts on him? And just like we just covered, right, Phillips, the versatility, that, that word just jumps off the page at me when talking about these guys. And uh, another thing, too, coming from Michigan, how about the family connection? You know, you, you don't think that John picked the brain of his brother Jim up there and said, hey, what about this guy? And maybe got an enhanced scouting report on that front. So, uh, again, you know, got to replace the ranks on the, on the front lines, and I really feel like th- this is another player that can definitely do it. You know, he's like we we alluded to it earlier in the show. You know, with these lesser known schools, you know, again, you got to pull up the tape. It's not hard. Pull up the tape on them and all that. But when you come from Michigan, it's all right there for you. So, you know, Phillips, you might not know a lot about him versus Bredesen because he just comes from Michigan. He comes uh, from that conference. You know, it, it's it's a it's a football school, right? It's, it's Michigan Wolverines. You know, it's the big house. You know, it's it's Jim Harbaugh. You know, so I think Bredesen right now is going to be groomed to take either one of those spots on the line. Um, again, another good addition for the Ravens. Uh, again, hitting two uh, good uh, hits back-to-back with the linemen. I, I feel like, th- again, that definitely shows you that, you know, again, you know, hitting the knees right on the head. It's They, they have the knees and they fill them. They don't even miss a beat when it comes to jazz. It makes them so good. And I feel like this one could be one to watch as an upcoming star here. 
Yeah, well, you know, moving right along <clears throat> to their later rounds, round five, six, and seven, which most of the time these players, there are players like Tom Brady that are drafted. Yeah, we get it. We've heard it for 20-plus years, okay? But when you get to round five, six, and seven, you're looking at guys that could potentially – you can mold them to be better players and bring them up, coach them, or as I believe the Ravens have done, they look for depth, right? They, they, they bring in these players that they feel can contribute to the team however it's possible, but it's depth. You know, they take number 120 uh, – I'm sorry, 170, they take Broderick Washington Jr., a deep tackle from Texas Tech. Then around six with the 201st selection, they take James Proche, wide receiver, okay? And then around seven, they take Gene Stone, safety out of Iowa. Which of these three do you possibly see, one, making the team, and two, having the biggest impact on the team if they do make it? I'm going to have to say – it's a great point, man. I'm going to have to say Proche, uh, just be for the sheer fact that the Ravens wide receiver talent, is, it was very slim to begin with, again – you know, the starting receivers is when Sneed, you know, Boykin and Brown, if you may. And then just looking down the jet chart, you got Chris Moore out there. And I, I feel like the Ravens just definitely need to bolster that. And there's this, there's the dark web rumors out there that obviously with the AB workout in Florida, you know, could the Ravens look at an Antonio Brown type player, you know, so, and even Des Bryant was linked to this past all season to the Ravens for signing there. So, Again, you know, the Ravens' big focus is bringing in a big playmaker. The, the Ravens still lack, even though they got Hollywood Brown. And, you know, Brown was the first round last year. He, he was the home run hitter for them. The, the Ravens, to me, don't have that true number one receiver yet. They don't have that Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, who can just go up and get the ball. Obviously, A.B. in his career, uh, or Randy Moss. They don't have that guy that's just, as soon as you say his name, oh, yeah, like, we get it. We, you know, Megatron's career, Calvin Johnson, you know, his career was in uh, a little bit lost in Detroit because of the, the, the non-success that they had. But, you know, when you, when you just have a player to just go up and get it, you don't have to worry. And I feel like the Ravens are still searching and you could find something later in the draft. Again, Tom Brady coming out so late, but also his counterpart that's left in New England now, Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman was also found in the later rounds, and now he's pretty much going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, so you just never know where you can find it. And, and again, you know, looking uh, right at my notes, just like you alluded to, depth. These picks are more for depth. This isn't finding those, you know, you know, starting from day one starters. It happens. It does happen because of the the way things happen. Or if someone gets hurt in camp, or you just someone just outshines somebody. You might draft somebody in round six and go in training camp. You might go, okay, well, he's outperforming somebody that we've had on the team for two years. You know, let, let's give him a shot. So, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, these picks uh, just solidify the draft as a whole. They pretty much put that little pretty bow on the top and just gift wrap everything. So, you know what? The Ravens already killed the draft earlier. Why don't we just go ahead and just add depth right down the line? And you're right. Just like in fantasy versus reality football, the same way in fantasy. You're drafting players late to build your team bench and to build depth in case things happen. You're not you're not drafting a, a player in your fantasy draft in round 14 of your draft to start on Sundays. It happens, but you just don't. So looking at the the, the reality of the situation, you know if any of these three are going to start for the Ravens, they could. 
Uh, they can certainly – the whole draft class can make the roster, uh, but that's the beauty of the NFL. There's always movement. There's cuts to be had. There's jobs to be won and lost, and, and this is the beauty of it. The Ravens have a complete package with the NFL draft this past weekend. Now going on to the offseason, working on the craft, how many Ravens of those draft classes will make it. There's been some draft classes where those, those last picks we're talking about didn't make the Ravens squad. But then they also went on and started other play, other elsewheres. Now, and, and some of the some of the names that I, I that have come through Baltimore that I remember one stands out is the uh, the great Steeler James Harrison. Remember James Harrison, my friend? Yeah, I do. He was actually on the Ravens squad and uh, was cut and 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 uh, and picked up obviously by the Steelers. So there there are some talent. You know, it just happens. So I, I feel like. Now, knowing knowing what the Ravens need uh, now, James Prochet doesn't fit that go up and get it receiver. He's six foot, one hundred ninety three. Uh, but you know, from what I've seen the tape on SMU, the kid's a monster, man. And, and going up and attacking the ball, you know, going and just providing what this offense needs—a breath of fresh air. Again, it's got to be a collective, but the Ravens just building on the nasty the, the offense that they had, and then also now solidifying the defense that had a few holes, uh, especially in the playoff game last year, and they had to work on it. I feel like this draft, again, you know, solid A. You can even throw an A-plus if you really want to be biased. But I think looking over the craft of this draft, uh, again, you just got to sit back when it's all said and done, sit back in your chair, put your feet up, sip your coffee, sip your drink, and just and just just shake your head in agreement and go, yeah, we just crushed it, and I just well, wait you know, for the season. touching on Prochet, you know, perhaps I think they found a returner as well. You know, um, exactly. You know, he's <clears throat> he only has average size and speed, but you know the thing is, is he's an experienced returner. He ranks sec- second in the AAC conference with nine point six yard punt return on an average, which yeah, that's not really high. But listen, if you can get ten yards, you get ten yards, right? So, um, right. You know, and he does make catches. You know, his strength, that's his strength, actually, I, I personally believe, is making catches in traffic and ripping balls away from defensive backs, right? So there you go. You know, again, that's going back to the Raven-style player. And, and, and I think, you know, I think he'll make the team. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I believe the Ravens did very well. I would give him an A also. And, you know, we'll go from there. Obviously, we have the offseason, uh, you know, more of the offseason, um, you know, undrafted free agents are being signed. Who knows? Maybe one of those one of those veterans get cut or something. And, hey, the Ravens will bring them in. We know that. You know that. That's just the That's way right. it works. So, but um, it was great having you on, man. Always great catching up with you talking football. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what we love and it's what we do. So. Thanks for listening to the Strictly Sports Podcast. I'm Steven Strickland. This is Josh Meir. If you, like, if you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on the Anchor app, available on Apple and Google, or please leave us a review on our Facebook page at Strictly Sports Podcast. Steve Strickland, Josh Meir, we're out of here. See you, buddy.